right, welcome to Hair Metal Memories. We are your hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. You may have noticed at the beginning we had some different theme music this time. That's uh, that we, we sort of like teased that, I think, in our, our last episode, how we were going to revamp things a little bit. Our previous theme song was a, like a collage of guitar solo moments from a lot of great hair metal moments. Um, this is something that Aaron and I put together and made on our own. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're trying to avoid any like sample use rights or any of that, any copyright issues and things like that. So all Please the, don't sue us. Right. Other than the uh, solo sections that we identify as being something that are within the songs themselves. Everything you hear will be original music that Aaron and I pounded out. So that's right. Yeah, we hope you like it. Um, so that's a, that's one big change. Um, we're gonna hopefully have some other changes in store, but mostly we're keeping the same format as we go along here in here in season two. Uh, wanted to call out our email address again: hairmetalmemoriesiowa at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page under Hair Metal Memories, uh, and just wanted to say we really appreciate people like listening and writing. And we've had a lot of really positive feedback. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for all the all the messages you're sending, and that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I never would have expected it. Yeah, we, yeah, we've been blown away by that, and it was nice. Uh, I, I think a, a couple people may have been worried about us in the break here that like maybe we weren't going to come back or something, and sent sent some notes of appreciation, and uh, that meant a lot to us. But we were always going to come back. You, you can't you can't hold us back. We have like. We have like 50 albums we got to cover. Oh, our least. list is huge. <laughs> and then we throw in things like what might yeah. be coming up, oh, say like today. Right. They're going to make you go, hey, wait a minute, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <But>. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. Another little side note. Tonight was supposed to be um, Uli John Roth in Des Moines playing at the Vaudeville Muse. Uh, that's oh. yeah, kind of a tangential thing uh, where, you know, he's a revered guitar player and he's supposed to be playing a show here. But like thanks to all the virus times and all the show being shows being canceled and stuff but just wanted to call that out because I, I don't know that was one of those little ouch moments yeah that hurts <laughs> that would have been a great show <laughs> yeah but anyway onward we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about the album Gretchen Goes to Nebraska by the band King's X wait a minute Brian that's not a hair rock album that's right we're uh, we're not branching out. We're not changing anything different. But as we've talked about, we uh, you know all along the way in the show, um, there is a weird thing about hair metal where uh, there's a lot of albums that aren't considered hair metal but kind of are and all that stuff. And they came out in a certain time period. And so we're, we've decided that Gretchen Goes to Nebraska gets to be included in this time period. Um, and it gives us a chance to talk about King's X, which is a band we love. And if you listen to the music and you squint just a little bit, I think you can agree that like they they're kind of related to a lot of the stuff we've talked about they played with a lot of the same players that we've talked about too so and the other problem being that they don't tend to fit in anywhere with anything right right yeah they they cover a lot of ground so they're influenced by all the same stuff that you know all the rest of us are but they put all the other bits together that we didn't put together and all the other bands didn't put together and they made this thing that's just kind of you know it it stands apart from everything so yeah So we're excited to talk about it. Um, we, we hope you guys are excited to hear about it. Um, yes, we're going to acknowledge right up front, not technically a hair metal album, but we're, but anyway, here we go. Uh, so this album is a very critically acclaimed album, which is interesting because not a lot of people have heard of it. And it has a rabid fan base. Uh, there's no, like we usually just list off the stats, like the chart busting stats and all that stuff. There's not, not really a lot there. There's nothing there for this. Uh, King's X is 
almost qualified as a cult band, I would say, where they never achieved huge mainstream success, but like they have all of the respect and admiration amongst musicians that you could ever want. Oh yeah, I mean, and several of the you know several of the the rock magazines at the time called it you know one of the best albums of the year. It made it yeah. makes a lot of people's like you know albums of the eighties lists and everything like that, and rightfully so. Yeah, but for some reason it, it it never I don't know it never resonated with a massive group of people or something like that. And, but which is 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 weird. Yeah, it is really weird. And they they have a, a fairly long career at this point. Uh, they had 15 studio albums. This is the second of the albums. And this is probably the best of them that I of the ones I've heard. I can't say I've heard all of the King's X albums, but I'm admittedly only up through uh, 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 Manic Moonlight. So I'm, I'm, I'm a few behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's uh, they have a great career. This is generally considered to be like their best album. Um, and. And I, and I think that that's kind of interesting because um, I, it, it should have been way bigger than it was. I'm really surprised it wasn't. I mean, yeah. you know, like all the harmonies are just instantly likable yeah. and it's not like super rough edged or anything like that. I mean, you know, it totally rocks. It's super proficient and. Yeah, you know, and just like I say that, just all those vocal harmonies where everybody in the band is capable of being part of the harmony, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, and but, they're all incredibly great musicians on top of that. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, and then another thing I'm going to throw out, we're going to probably touch on this a few times here. Uh, King's X has a very complicated history with uh, faith and or Christian themes that we'll talk about. Um, it's a, I think it's a pretty unavoidable theme in their music um, yeah. and, and, and with their history. So we're going to we're going to touch a little bit on that. But I just wanted to preface uh, before we dive in, like, you know, that, that we're, that we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, which is not something we normally talk about on this not show. Not really, so. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody in this band sings and they sing really, really, really well. Like, uh, that is really the standout of this album and probably them as a band entirely. Um, so we'll start out like talking a little bit about the band. Um, Doug Pinnock is the, he's the, the main singer of the band. Um, they all, they all could have been lead singers in this band as far as I can tell, but he's the main singer and he plays a 12 string bass. What a monstrosity of an instrument. Which is, which is weird. Uh, they're all like, I think they're like doubled strings or tripled strings or something like that. I think like it'd that. be tripled. It's, it's just, just a tripled, tripled four string, but still, yeah. that's... That makes for some some thick tones, that's some man. Thick ass <laughs> tone, yeah, and, and and pretty unusual. Like I don't I don't know anybody else that does that. So that's uh, one of the things that makes them identifiable. Um, Doug Pinnock was born in Braidwood, Illinois, and moved to Joliet. So we have a Midwest connection. Hey, all right. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> We're always like looking for those. We don't have a lot going on in the Midwest, so we we, we like to call those out when we see them. Um, he's sixty nine years old. That was one of the things that did not occur to me in my head. He's still like when I first. I actually found the same thing when I started looking into him a while back. I'm like, wow, dude. I mean, you know, when like when they were becoming Mm -hmm. a band, he was already kind of, you know, older than where a lot of uh, a lot of people are when you start your run as a as a band. But hey, yeah, that was crazy. Um, uh, He has 17 half brothers and sisters from three mothers and two fathers. Which I just thought that was such an interesting thing. I had to throw that in there. No kidding. uh, um, And the whole family is a musical family. And this is another thing we're going to have. And everyone in the family played and sang. And and he was raised mostly by his great-grandmother, who was very religious. 
which is one of those other things that we're going to keep talking yep. about. Um, he ended up dabbling with Christian rock and uh, touring with some people, including Phil Keegy, who is a pretty famous uh, um, guitar player who usually he did like a lot of the Christian music circuit. And I think he played at the Unitarian Fellowship here in Ames at one point. I think I remember seeing his name. Um, he was kind of a big deal in that circle. Um uh, so, like, he's he's played with a lot of those people. Um, he met uh, the drummer of King's X, Jerry Gaskill, in a project with the vocalist from Petra, which is a straight-up Christian rock band. Oh, yeah, I remember and, Petra. Uh, and uh, uh, Jerry Gaskill uh, grew up in a musical family, played with his family in various bands until he had a born-again experience. And he became involved with Christian music and moved to Missouri to attend, I don't know if I'm going to say this right or not, Evangel College or Evangel? Yeah, I saw the same thing. I was just like, I'm going to let you handle that, man. And and he moved there to become a biblical studies major. So that's, you know, again, touching on the Christian theme. Uh, He was asked to join um, the project with the Petra singer. Uh, Doug Pinnock moved there to uh, um, play with the Petra singer as well. So, like, the two of them basically moved there and met during that, but the, the project fell apart within a month. So that was how they met, but, like, they didn't end up jamming on that project. Um, Ty Tabor is the guitar player, and he grew up in Mississippi, also in a musical family. He played in his father's bluegrass band, though, and which shared a bill with, like, Lester Flatt. You know, so they they must have been pretty good. Yes. <laughs> uh, he fell in love with rock and roll and played with some Christian bands. Then moved to Springfield, Missouri, to Evangel College. So they all met at college. Basically, is kind of how that panned out. Um, and uh, Ty Tabor was in a band that had the opportunity to open for Phil Keegy, but uh, his drummer had quit the day before. Uh, but he didn't want to cancel because that's a really good gig. And so he decided that he'd play drums. But he didn't own any drums, and so he asked Phil Keegy's drummer, who was Jerry Gaskill, if he could borrow his kit. Um, and so that was basically the secret origin story of King's X. Is they and bam, all met, and there we go. Yeah, they all kind of met through this uh, connection at this college. I guess they um, originally had a fourth member too, but uh, yeah, nothing. Yeah. That person left the picture early on. Yeah, they they, they kind of had some ups and downs you know, for the first few years of their gestation, um, and. Ty Tabor has a, a very unique guitar tone, and he keeps it sort of secret by changing the labels on, on his gear at gigs and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> um, and whenever anybody asks him in, like, interviews and things about his tone, he, like, uh, he either lies to them or else uh, won't answer the question and stuff because he doesn't want to be ripped off. And I, and I, and I totally get that because— Hey, it, he's got his sound locked down then. Yeah, and he changes stuff a lot. He'll, like, completely revamp all of his gear and be like, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing this now. And then he reinvent a whole new guitar tone or a new way to get it or something, um, which is kind of crazy. He's kind of a tone wizard, which uh, which, which I can respect. I mean, um, but anyway, and uh, so the band's, you know, moving along and everything. Um, and, and throughout their history uh, uh, as a band, um, in uh, they kind of got pegged as being a Christian rock band. Um, and the reason for that was they had a manager that sort of had them in with that circuit a little bit. So it was kind of a marketing thing. I mean, right. I, I mean, that was kind of where they started out. Well, I mean, it's not that there, it's not like there isn't material and all the stuff that isn't, you know, right. Fairly, 
fairly religious in nature, but right. but then at the same time, I don't know that I would necessarily say that they were. They just got marketed that way. Yeah, they got marketed that way until uh, 1998, when Doug Pinnock came out as gay. And uh, so he is a gay black man with a mohawk. So he's kind of an intimidating, striking figure, uh, I think. Like, But it was the when he came out, that was the thing that really kind of the company that distributed their albums to all the Christian record stores or you know, their Christian stores. Suddenly and, you can't find yeah. it in what Cornerstone anymore. Or right. Yeah, they just dropped King's X like crazy because they're like, no, we can't have this. Um, and now, but Metal Blade snatched him up Metal because Blade Metal Blade's up. cool. Yep, and Metal Blade's cool, way cooler. Uh, and now Doug Pennick also says that he's agnostic. And uh, um, and the rest of the band has kind of come out as a little bit. They, they you know, they have various degrees of, uh, you know, religiosity and stuff. But, like, uh, um, they they kind of also are really against Christian rock and the marketing of it in particular. They've, they've been very outspoken about that, actually. So it's, it's a little bit of a complicated story. Uh, one of the reviews that I read about King's X and their lyrics, because um, I, I kind of, like, chewed on this a little bit. I, I wanted to know more about it, and I, I, I delved a little deeper into this. But one of the reviews that I saw said that King's X music questions as much as they believe, which I thought was an interesting way to put it. Well, I, I, <laughs> I heard Doug say as much at one point, too. Uh, and I, I can't you know point to, to when it was I read it. It was probably in a metal publication or some other rock publication. But uh, he said something about, yeah, if you go back and listen to our stuff just as much as we were into it, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions in all of it, especially, you know, I was noticing a lot of them in this one as I was listening to it going, oh, yeah, no, there's a yeah. lot of there's some pretty openly questioning stuff. And he said, yeah, if you look through it, it, it was kind of a theme through a lot of the lyrics of all yeah. the way up uh, through everything, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, so and and we'll get to I have some notes about some of the lyrics when we get to the like going through the album, but like that definitely shows up, I think, which is which makes them a very interesting band. It's like a yeah, you know, that's not like a straightforward thing. Um, uh, and another thing is I was looking through the list of uh, um, all of the all three of these guys, they have been like way too musically active to cover all of this. Oh, the ground they cover uh, is just ridiculous. It, I mean, we nuts. we we would tack on another hour just getting right. into like what all these guys do. I mean, Doug Pinnock is super active. Yeah, yeah. All of them have done so much stuff. But uh, so I, I, I made a list of some highlights. I imagine you probably have some things you want to highlight too. But uh, like uh, for me, like uh, you know, so Doug Pinnock played bass for the recent MC5 reunion, and Kim Thale played guitar in that from Sound from Soundgarden. I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a uh, badass. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> That is a badass band. Um, Doug Pinnock sang the lead vocals on Reb Beach's band's album. Um, Reb Beach being the guitar player from Winger that we covered just somewhat recently. Because um, all them dudes hang out. Yeah, and I just thought, <laughs> I, I thought that was so cool. It's like, you know, you know, Reb Beach is impressed enough with Doug Pinnock to say, like, hey, we sing lead vocals on my and, album. And uh, he was even in a, a, a Doug Pinnock feature on a song on by the band Tooth and Nail, uh, which is, uh, is one of... Uh, one of um, oh my gosh, George Lynch's myriad projects. Oh yeah, 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 like Lynch Mob or something. Yeah, or... TNN <laughs> oh, was TNN? okay. It, it, well, they started off being called Tooth and Nail, and they then then it became uh, just TNN after legal concerns. <laughs> but it, that band is literally uh, Jeff Pilson, George Lynch, and Mick Brown. So oh it's, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's everybody yeah. who isn't one of them, but you yeah, I, do the math. <laughs> but yeah, Doug Panic shows up on a track on that, and that's really cool. Yeah. Um, 
Doug Pinnock also toured with Living Color, filling in for uh, Corey Glover when Corey Glover was off doing that was the, the, bit, the my Jesus favorite Christ little bit. superstar. Yeah, that's a pretty badass bit. As much as I love Corey Glover, that would still be just such a, a badass show to see. You know, you wouldn't yeah. feel like you were exactly getting shorted, you know? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he was on a Carmine Apathy record. Oh, wow. Damn. <laughs> Guitar Zeus one. Yeah. Uh, Ty Tabor has a band called Platypus that has Rod Morgenstein on drums, from, also from Winger, and the Dixie Dregs, and a couple of the Dream Theater guys. So, like, you know, they're definitely not playing with slouch musicians in any way. No. Um, and Ty Tabor was also in a band called Jughead, which is a band with the Bissonette brothers. Greg, they hated the Archies. Greg, Greg and Matt Bissonette. <laughs> they hated the Archies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Greg and Matt Bissonette from uh, David Lee Roth's band, the fame, you know, uh, which we will hopefully be covering in the not-so-distant future. Um, and uh, Ty Tabor also played on Jeff Tate's Queensryche. Yeah, a, you know, I wasn't even going to mention that one, but I guess how you made it. I, 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 I was so weird that I had yeah. to mention it. <laughs> and we might brush up on that album a little bit more if we end up talking about a Queensryche record, which we totally should. We totally should, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Was there any other of the side project stuff you had? That, um, no, no. Uh, okay. the, you, you pretty much hit the points that I was going to hit. So Okay, yeah, those are the most interesting ones I thought. But they're, right. I mean, but th- there's still a myriad of them, and if sometimes sit down on, and go down a Wikipedia hole on this band. And it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's damned impressive. Um, you know, and I, I found a quote from, uh, from Jeff Ahmet, a uh, Pearl Jam's bassist, that said that King's X invented grunge, which I thought was like, that's a pretty big tip of the hat. No kidding it is. And he ended up, uh, 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 Jeff Ahmed ended up doing a project with Doug Pinnock. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Okay. Uh, now I'm not remembering the name of the project because yeah. I don't have it right here in front of me. But uh, I remember impressive. hearing it on uh, Sirius Satellite Radio one time and I was like, hey, man, what's not to like about this? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the album itself, uh, the the story of Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska is based on a short story by the drummer, Jerry Gaskill, which I thought was kind of a Neil Peart move there. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. little flex. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have no idea what the story is. I, I went through the lyrics and I, I do not, I'm not able to discern any sort of, con- it's listed as a concept album. It's considered a concept album. I could not tell you what the concept is. There's not like a story. It doesn't really seem like it has like a thread running through it the same way yeah. as something like Operation Mindcrime does. But. Right. Yeah. So there's not like a story in, in, in the concept. It's just a concept in general, I think. But apparently the album title itself was a joke, like an offhand comment that a roadie made that the whole band remembered and years Mm. later did it. And I guess when they told the, hey, we're naming this album after something you said, he had no memory of it whatsoever. I I think that's hilarious. That's just great. (laughs) So they don't have to pay him royalties since he doesn't remember. (laughs) Boom. Busted, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. And when the album came out, they played, uh, they, they really did try to promote this album and they went on a, a tour with a wide variety of acts while in support of it. Um, they toured with Anthrax and Suicidal Tendencies, um, MOD. They toured with Liv- Living Color, which That's is probably so how they weird got that they toured done. with MOD. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they toured with Billy Squire, <laughs> which is also weird. And they toured with Blue Murder. Which wow. would have been interesting. So, I mean, like, see, I like all the people that they're touring with, but you have to yeah. admit at the time those are just crazily mismatched shows. Yeah, but then it, once again, reinforcing <laughs> that they're basically not matching up well with anybody they tour with because they're just so unique. Mm-hmm. So what's what's your uh, what's your story with this record? Well, I found I, I actually I'm pretty sure I found out about it because of listening to 
an interview with like Scott Ian or Charlie Benanti from uh, Anthrax, and I'm just talking about how awesome this band King's X was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't actually have the album itself until I was much older, but I heard a couple of the songs and thought they were really good. And then uh, the first one that I listened to by him that really got me actually kicked into gears to following him was uh, was the song Black Flag off a later album. Oh, yeah. But, okay. Uh, so, yeah, then I was probably like 24, 25 when I finally decided to get this album and I was just a freaking mazed by it. I mean, <laughs> I knew I knew like uh, over my head. Yeah. Um, and I want to say maybe there was another one that I, I remember from the time, but it wasn't until I was yeah older that I listened to it and I was just blown away by it. I kind of went on a little thing where it was like what I would start every day at work listening to it. And yeah. So, yeah, now um Oh, I think it has some of the best songs ever on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a damn good record. I I sort of uh, I came across it by uh, um, when I was reading guitar magazines with t- with guitar tabs in them. I think I had the same story for Wanted Dead or Alive actually <laughs> when we did the Bon Jovi <laughs> album. Uh, I saw the guitar tab for um, over my head, and I thought, and there was a thing about drop D tuning, which I had not heard of before, and all this stuff. Um, and so, and I was like, what the hell is this? I, and you couldn't just go to the internet at the time and stuff and check stuff out. Um, so I found a friend that had the tape of it, and I borrowed the tape and listened to it and uh, made a dub of the tape and then tried to figure out that riff for over my head and I was like you know and then just listened to the tape after that and fell in love with the album had the same experience you did basically <laughs> I was like, like holy shit these guys are really good <laughs> oh that's cool that's cool I like it I like how many of them involve uh, looking up or finding something in Guitar Flayer magazine right. that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, I believe this one was Guitar for the Practicing Musician, which was like uh, my favorite one that came out during the time. Guitar? I've never even heard of Guitar for the Practicing Musician. Yeah, they had the best tabs back in the day. And so that was the one that I got like, you know, that was uh, the tabs were so good and the articles were so good. I would pick that up every month regardless of what the what song <laughs> they were. They were the Owlsley of Guitar Magazine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, sort of completely unrelated, I guess. Is uh, uh, I came across the band The Smiths by they they tabbed out a Smiths song in there, and they normally did like uh, um, you know just like metal bands and things like that, which was more what I was actually interested in. Sure, but, but I went and sought out The Smiths after like a guitar um, magazine article about like hey. you know and, and came across the majesty of Johnny Marr and all that stuff. But anyway, that's a whole different show. <laughs> uh, very much so, very much so. A much sadder show than this one. Yeah, that was the influence that guitar for the practicing musician had over me. Uh, let's let's talk about the songs on the album. Heck yeah! Uh, we we kick off with "Out of the Silent Planet," and that's like one of my favorite opening songs on any album ever. I think it's one of the best songs ever. I just oh, it's so good. I, it I, I love so good. it. The chorus vocal is just one of the best things that's ever existed. That that melody, yeah. that harmony that they hit is just so good. Yeah, they just immediately they're like vocal harmonies, just like right in your face, just letting you know this is what we're about. This is what we're doing. And it's got the cool, the tricky little, awesome little thing that they do to get into the little pre-chorus bridgey yeah. thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I was sitting there trying to like hear it out in my head and going, oh man, if I wanted to play that, that'd be really hard. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a tricky turnaround into the next section. I was was impressed by that. Uh Yeah. And there's kind of like a weird sitar sounding bridge with like sound effects and stuff. And and, and this song just has like really cool riffs. And it kind of sounds like grunge. I mean, it's like grunge before there was grunge. And and, and too, yeah. Well, like you said, one of the first things you notice is that guitar tone is just like, how are you making that? 
yeah. sound like that. Nobody else's guitar sounds like that, like to yeah. to a ridiculous degree. You know? Yeah, it's like so crunchy but so smooth. It's like which is a weird place to be for that kind of band. And uh, and this song was actually the name of their first record. So they on their second record, the first song is named after their first record. <laughs> which hey, I, I liked Houses of the Holy too. I'd do yeah. it. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, and then we then we song two is the the big hit uh, over my head. Um, I mean, in terms of like you know being a hit in the King's X world, this, this yeah, this arguably the best song. known one off this record. Yeah, uh-huh. right. Yeah, and and like I said, this is my first King's X tune. So um, the song itself is just kind of an ode to music in general, as far as I can tell, and just like that that feeling that good music gives you when it hits you. And I really enjoy the fact that, like, you know, during the solos, they don't do an overdubbed rhythm guitar track and he just like solos away because yeah. it just it highlights the amazing bass tone that Doug Pinnock has. Yeah. Because that bass sound is just really tough on this song. and It's great. I love yeah. just the. And it's so thick uh, you don't need a rhythm guitar. It's exactly. Like he, he's playing the rhythm guitar in the he bass. More than, he more than <laughs> fills that space. Yeah. Um, I had that one uh, tagged. Let's uh, let's 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 play some of that solo. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, dude, that's such good stuff. <laughs> I won't get tired yeah. of listening to that. Yeah. And uh, this song also has a very soulful kind of gospel ending to it, which uh, which I thought was kind of cool. That's a uh, um, you know probably had to do a lot to do with like their their playing in churches and upbringing and stuff. Oh yeah, I'm sure that yeah. came fairly naturally. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> and there was a there was a music video for this song that was kind of like when they were going for it. It was you know a again it was like a close to a hit for them during the video age. Um, the next song. Also, really a goddamn good song called Summerland. Oh, such a good tune. And it yeah. had a video, too. It had a video as well. It's like those are the two songs in a row. So they come out just with bangers right away. Um, this, has again, has focus on the awesome vocals, has cool arpeggiated guitar riffs, which are really the backbone of the tune. Um, and the lyrics are mostly about, like, reminiscing, you know, some nostalgia for summer and kind of an old love. It's kind of a love song, basically. Um, but really catchy, really. I, I, I thought this was one of his best vocal performances yeah. on the record. He really yeah. opens it up on Summerland, and it's really good. It is really good. Well worth your time to check out. Um, the next song is called Everybody Knows a Little Bit of Something. Um, this has a super heavy riff, which uh, I thought was really cool. And it has like uh, these affected vocals, like with vocals with effects on it for the verses. Um, it seems to be, as far as I can tell, about how ignorance is bad and wisdom is good. But, wisdom- but it comes from a place of like being positive about it. You know, it's not yeah. necessarily like a cynical take on it, which is interesting because... Yeah, honestly, and I, that would be where I would go with it if yeah. it left to my own devices. So I was like, "Oh no, I'm impressed." You you come at this yeah. from a totally different angle. Yeah, and wisdom can come from unexpected places, you know, which I which I thought was a cool message. Um, there's also a really funky, soulful jam uh, at the end of this tune um, um, because Doug Pinnock is a huge Sly and the Family Stone fan, so I'm assuming that's kind of where some of that stuff comes from. And the exacting nature, not only is like the vocal harmony in and of itself for the chorus is really good, but just just how precisely timed every little mm-hmm. bit has to be in the little in in their group harmony is just oh yeah. man. It's, this one really highlights how good they are as a as a trio singing, you know, like yeah. just beyond the ahs that you get that are so amazing, but like yeah, the real tight yeah, they grouping craft, of the vocals. They craft that stuff really. Mm-hmm. You can tell they spent a lot of time practicing on it. Uh, 
The next song is The Difference, uh, you know, subtitled In the Garden of St. Anne's on the Hill. Um, this is a little bit of a departure because it uh, starts out with acoustic guitar, um, with some sort of Jimmy Page-esque acoustic guitar runs. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they are. That, that's... <laughs> And once again, I just highlight, God damn, all these guys are singing uh-huh. on this. All these yeah. guys are singing on this. And this whole song sounds so good with all those yeah, guys. It's, it's another showcase for vocal harmonies. And with the acoustic guitar in there, it's just even more so probably. It's, yeah, arguably, this, this it's the sparest they're, they are on the whole album. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a highlight. It's like it's a nice little breakdown moment. Um, and, as, and as far as I can tell on this one, too, is uh, this seems to be about the fragility of faith. Is kind of what I thought. That's yep. Okay. <laughs> Best as, as I could tell, anyway. Uh, the next tune is "I'll Never Be the Same," um, which kind of reminds me of Extreme a little bit. That that song will I ever be the same? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll never be the same. This is another uh, really great guitar part by Ty Tabor. He, he it seems to be a love song. Um, it has another um, short, sweet guitar solo in it. Um, I mean, this one's sort of like not necessarily of the caliber of the previous songs above it, but like still just a damn good song, you know? Well, you have to love it when the songs that aren't, you know, aren't the rager are still just totally solid, awesome tunes, you know, right, I mean, that, yeah. that kind of says something that even when it's like not the, the highlight of the record, you're just like, no, nah, man, this kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then we go into a song called mission, and uh, this is one of my other favorites on the album. Yeah, yeah, this is a really good song. And this is the one in my notes where uh, if you thought they were a straight up Christian rock band, this is the tune that will dispel that. Uh, this is the one where they're super critical of hypocritical preachers as uh, like the chorus is. What's the mission of the preacher, man? Some are true. Some do lie. Um, and Doug Pinnock sings his ass off on this one. This oh, is another, yeah. This is another uh, vocal highlight, I thought, for him. Um and this is actually one where I thought that the it, it, it's really cool move what they did for the solo in this song because like the solo itself is kind of buried down in the mix with like audio samples playing along with it. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's strange because, you know, I mean, you know, usually your guitar player wants that solo right up there in front of your face. But it's yeah. like, no, I'm going to hang back and we're just going to have it be yeah just kind of part of the section, you know, and that's. That's impressive. That I like impressive. that. Yeah. That probably it takes restraint. And these guys are like master arrangers. So it's, it's neat to see them actually do that in, in action. Um, next up is uh, Fall On Me. Uh, more great vocals. An- another cool Ty Tabor guitar solo. <laughs> My only note um, was this is so much better than the REM song of the same name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a nice ethereal breakdown section with little volume swells on the guitar. And I'm such a sucker for that when people do volume swells. He's really good at those. He's very that's, good at that's those. That's a guy who's definitely mastered that move. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just another great song. Um and I don't know how to pronounce the next one. Pleiades? Pleiades. Pleiades. Okay, Pleiades. Um, this is a very interesting song. I mean, Yeah, talk about Giordano Bruno. Yeah, especially melodically. And there, there's the movement within the music. Uh, there's some weird time signature stuff going on in there. Um, and what were you saying? What is the song about? The song's about Gio- Giordano Bruno. They burnt okay. his body, but not his soul. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Giordano Bruno. He was uh, burnt by by the Catholic Church for, for you know, yeah. Look it up. Astronomical uh, stuff. You know, back when that was a big thing, okay. where you where you didn't you didn't question geocentric universe and things like that. And oh, I assumed it was about Galileo because of the same thing, but. Uh... <laughs> 
No, it's Giordano okay. Bruno. Okay, okay. Because he was actually burned at the stake. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is another song that falls into that category is like right when you want to lump them in with Chris, Christian Suddenly rock. Suddenly they get a know? little like, hey, yeah. you know, people, this is kind of uncool. No. Yeah, the church did some bad things. Remember that? And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> and there's some way cool modal riffing towards the end of the end of this tune, too, that I thought was really cool. It's a... Uh, and I'm not sure, is is this the one that, does Jerry Gaskell drink to sing this one? I think there's a different vocalist on this. It sounded like it to me anyway. I thought it was, I thought it was Doug. Is it Doug? It might be Doug. I might be wrong on that. I, I didn't find anything. I think the said. guy just kind of slipped into a heat. Okay. It sounded different to me, so, um, yeah. If anybody knows any better, write right, to us yeah, and complain yeah. about our shoddy uh, research. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did try to research it, but I found nothing conclusive. No, I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just assumed it was him because yeah. that there would have been some note otherwise. Yeah. Um, the next song's called Don't Believe It. It's easier said than done. Uh, yet more awesome vocals. And this tune kind of swings, I thought. It had like a swing movement to it that like some of the other songs don't, um, which made it stand out. And there's a cool modal melody in the middle of it. Um, I think that this song could have been a hit for them in an alternate universe. It's like I made a note on this one that I think it's catchier than a lot of bands, big songs. But the fact that it's just like stacked towards the end of this album. Yeah. Sort of made it like. And it comes like, after kind of some monster tunes, too. So, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it is kind of like this this back part of the record that we're getting into here is kind of the most like, I don't know, overtly spiritual bit of the whole record right. is what I was gathering. And this would have right. been like, especially starting here onwards is where. Uh, yeah. Especially like the whole, you know, the whole like uh, the the whole message of the tune is is a very sort of spiritual message. I mean, it yeah. works on a lot of levels. It, it, you could you could it, it's open enough that you could apply it to. Yeah, whatever it would work for you to complete your own little mental picture of the song. But but it's still kind of a yeah, it's a spiritual tune. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're on the, the down downward slide right now. We got a uh, uh, song number 11. Send a message. Uh, this song has super tight riffage on it. I, 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 I thought this could be like a rush tune as much as like they're like playing together. Um, it does seem it seems a little bit more like the Christian rock sound again to me, though. Because yeah, it's building. That was about to, my note on it, too. Yeah, and like, I said something like, you know, be, it'd be easier to not like some of the more Christian stuff if they didn't play it this freaking well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a testament to the band. Exactly. Like, I the mean, fact hey. that they're so good at it. Uh, and then we wind up on a song called The Burning Down. Um this is like even yet more amazing vocal harmonies. And I thought that this, uh, the melody on this, this is like an arena rock sounding melody where it's just sort of like huge and constructed. I thought it sounded like it was written to be the last song on an album. Yeah, it is. It's a great ender for the album. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. They chose great. But. Yeah. And after they like jam for a while and get the song done, they, after a while, they have more of the volume swell thingies that Ty Tabor does. And it's just kind of with fading out into the drum beat. And it's like, like just a it's a great ending because it like it, it, it ends so chill after all these great like riffs and things it's like, sort of like their final like okay happy trails so, yeah it's all paid like the whole thing is just paced really well you know they yeah. they know how when to kick it into gear when to move back and so it, it yeah it just everything ah. just it goes down real smooth <laughs> yeah 
And that's all the notes that I had. Did you have anything else? That is the extent of my notes. Okay. Other than, you know, if, if you should just go and get more of the King's X albums. You know, you I mean, should. like Faith, King- Hope, Love is really good. The self-titled yeah. one, King's X, especially, is, is probably the one I like next most after Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. Yeah. Uh uh, it's been a while since I've listened to Dog Man, but it, I remember just being blown away by it. So keep uh-huh. going on on Gretchen or after Gretchen goes to Nebraska, and it'll be infinite, infinitely rewarding. Yeah, they're well worth your time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're gonna take a real short break, and then we'll be right back with our special guest. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. We have our special guest here with us today. Our, our special guest is Dave Nantis. Say hi, Dave. Hello. How is everybody <laughs> doing out there in radio land? <laughs> we're, we're doing good out here. How are you doing? Dave's calling him from Detroit. Yeah, we're, uh, we got pretty hit by this, uh, COVID. It was pretty bad for a while. Um, I think part of it was we're an international hub for the airlines and then Canada's, you know, you could spit from my house and hit Canada. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, right there. <laughs> so it's uh it's, it's a crossroads, so to speak. So <laughs> a lot of folks coming and going. So uh, after, and I work at a hospital, so I think my, my view is a little skewed because I was seeing some of the worst of it um, at the hospital. Oh, wow. But luckily it's uh it looks like it's under control a bit. Think, thanks to our governor, I'm going to give a plug to Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, she really took the reins on this. Yeah, um, you guys have a good governor. Yeah, yeah, I'm a yeah. Anybody, anytime uh, Saturday Night Live does a little thing on you, you know you're doing a good job <laughs> <laughs> or slash terrible job. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, one or the other. Swing it away there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Unlike Iowa's governor, who has not been terrible enough to be on Saturday Night Live yet, but <laughs> yeah. but terrible enough for the rest of us who live here. <laughs> um, so Dave is a drummer. Uh, I used to play in a band with Dave. We were in a band. Oh, yes. called, we were in a band called Cinema that began with like the S version of Cinema, S I N E M A, which is one of those names you always have to explain unless it's written down. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, tell us. Other than that, that's so. That's how I know Dave. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about yourself, though, Dave. Yeah. No problem. Um, well, I live in Detroit. That's where I'm originally from. Um, when we were together, I was in grad school at Iowa State, out in Ames there, um, for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my uh, my life took a, a bunch of uh, twists and turns for a while there. <laughs> so I was studying <laughs> biochemistry and on my on my way to get my doctorate, um, and then I decided to uh, leave with my master's, leave early, and then uh, I was in the seminary for a while studying in the in the Jesuits Society of Jesus which is a Catholic religious order um, they run a bunch of schools in the United States like Georgetown and anything called Loyola uh, yeah. it's all and the and Jesuits then, uh, are like the ninjas of priests right yeah <laughs> 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 like, I like that better than somebody said they're the Marine Corps like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no ninjas is way cooler <laughs> yeah it's way cooler <laughs> way cooler <laughs> And then I, I did that. I was in for nine years. Um, I left. I was not ordained. Uh, I left. And then um, three years later, I was married, 2008. 
uh, and then, yeah, we settled here in Southeast Michigan. And then, um, my wife, Carrie and I, she's a psychologist. Um, then we've got two boys, uh, Liam and Theo, um, uh, William and Theodore, but my wife didn't like the normal nicknames for William and Theodore. So we call them Liam and Theo. Um, I never put together that your kids are Bill and Ted before. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Neither did we until like Theo was about six months old. And that's when my wife looked at me and was like, Oh my God, we named our kids Bill and Ted. (laughs) Well, that is, Oh dude, that's the greatest. I, uh, I like that a lot. (laughs) I think maybe it was the sleep deprivation that that blocked that out. We had no idea. Uh, but I do, um, my job is I work at a, a hospital in, uh, right on the border of Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, Michigan, uh, St. Joseph Mercy Hospital. And I basically, I'm in charge of the, uh, ethics and, um, the chaplains and any kind of, uh, community outreach programs, things like that. Um, and I'm studying for my, uh, doctorate in bioethics, Through Loyola, Chicago. They have an online program. So I'm trying to work my way through that. I'm taking two classes during the lockdown so that I can actually, you know, make lemons out of, or make lemonade out of lemons here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good plan. You're being locked up, forced to study. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your experience with uh, King's X and and this album, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. How, How did you first come across it? Well, King's X, I learned about just before I moved to Ames, actually. I was the summer of uh, 92, and I heard um, Black Flag on rock radio in Detroit, and I just thought it was awesome. Um, so Because it is. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> so I move out to Iowa, and uh, I, li- I move into uh, Buchanan Hall. It's there on the Iowa State campus for a grad student residence hall. Um, and I meet a, a guy named Mark Ball, who's still a good friend of mine. I was just out in uh, San Diego last fall for his 50th birthday party. Um, but Mark was a huge King's X fan. And we ended up uh, moving out of the residence hall into an apartment together. And uh, I had told him I knew I knew that song, Black Flag, and that album. But that was their fourth album by then. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, he, he knew it all before, before that, all the the first three albums. Um, so he got me into them big time. And uh, I just love, I love the harmonies. I love the crunchy guitars. Um, now I appreciate the fact that, you know, especially in the uh, context we're in right now in the United States, I appreciate that we have a African-American lead singer and bass player. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, Who's also and their gay. live shows yeah. are just are just incredible. I've not had the chance to see them live, nor have I. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them, God, a ton of times live, and they're just um, just amazing. And the um, yeah, Gretchen was always a favorite. Um, I think the um, like I said, the, the melodies and the harmonies really stand out to me. Um, you know, especially when the three of them come together. There's a couple of songs on that album where. They sound like Crosby, Stills, and Nash almost. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> where they just Interesting they come point. together and they just have this great. Um, it was almost like I, I read an interview once about the Jayhawks, and 
you know, how uh, Gary Loris and Mark Olson, when they harmonized, it sounded like there was a third voice in there. That's how well they did it, right? So uh-huh. there's like this this scent, this quality of like there's there's another voice in there. And that's kind of the sense I get with King's X when all three of them come together. I'm like, there's something else going on there. It's not just the three of them coming together. It's something else I can hear. It is pretty huge. I mean, it is you huge. Know, yeah. whenever, they, whenever they sing together, it's, it's massive. <laughs> and to hear that live, I mean, it's not as polished, obviously, as studio stuff, um, especially when they're, yeah. you know, playing really hard and you know probably out of breath but it's still it's pretty it's pretty amazing um yeah but that's that's a it's just a phenomenal album um one of the things about that um this guy sam taylor that produced them mm-hmm. um i found out later because i started getting to other bands that were sort of like king's x like galactic cowboys and, yeah, I saw uh, that he worked. That Sam Taylor worked with them. Yeah, the, them and then uh, this band called Atomic Opera. This, the, another band where you have a lot of harmonies, a lot of crunchy guitars. It's like you know, ACDC and the Beatles had a baby, right? And this is yeah. what happened. Um, just great stuff. And um, I guess he was kind of a taskmaster and <laughs> not a great guy to work <laughs> for. But um, but they certainly produced some great albums with him, though. Yeah, yeah, he did their first four, I think. Uh, I saw an interview with, or I read an interview with uh, Doug, and he said that, uh, like, he was a good producer and everything, but he never got, he never recorded them as heavy as they always heard themselves as a band, I guess. And that he, yeah, he, yeah. he considered Dogman to be what he always heard their sound to be like. Yeah, and Dogman is, I mean, if you have a pacemaker, you can't really play that album because it would just, like, you know, throw your heart off. <laughs> I mean, the, the bottom on that album, I mean, and then they get somebody like Brendan O'Brien. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Like, and that was such a cool move. <laughs> that was a cool move. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. So, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's, 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 um, Dogman's got a little more of that gritty and the, the hard rock, the bass. Um, it's way up front. The drum sound on that is incredible too. Yeah. I mean, well, but, you know, that could have been like one of their biggest budgets they had at that point. Cause I mean, Gretchen goes Nebraska and silent planet were on mega force, which isn't like a huge label. It had a pretty good dis- distribution by that time, I think. But mm-hmm. you know, I think when they get to Dogman, that, that was Atlantic. So, you know, yeah, they're wetter they audience. Had, yeah. They had, they had uh real money to work with, so they probably could get the sound they wanted. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Get a little more uh, time in the studio, and and yeah. I guess uh, actually, I guess Brandon O'Brien approached them about working with him. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm imagining that's the Pearl Jam connection of yeah the Pearl Jam being so yeah Pearl Jam talked the band. them up a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're I guess they're all buddies there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty sweet. <laughs> Would you say that uh, uh, Gretchen is your favorite King's X album? Yeah, it's up there. It's top three for sure. Dogman's okay. up there too, I think. Dogman, I was gonna ask, you, what, what is your favorite? If not, you know what? Yeah, Dogman's Dogman and Gretchen are probably the top. Um, I've got a sweet spot in my heart for uh, uh, Ear Candy. And see, I'm less is, familiar with that one. I've only listened to it like once yet. or twice, so I um, I just don't have as much reference for that one. I that was a great. Um, I I was a. Uh, if, if you if you'll allow me this story, it might take about please. That's minutes. why we're here. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so Ear Candy tour, they tour with uh, Galactic Cowboys opens for them, right? They play at this 
place in uh, just outside Detroit called the Ritz. This is '96. Um, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually in the seminary at the time, and they let, uh, let us every um, semester. So they we measured time by like like academia, right? Fall semester, winter semester. <laughs> so every semester we were allowed a quote cultural event and they would pay for us to go do something that we wanted to. Well, you know, I think, I think what these priests are thinking is, you know, they'll go to the opera or to, you know, go, go see uh, some amazing Shakespearean in the park or something. And I, I was like, I'm going to see this rock band at a club. <laughs> They're called King's X. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. So, I got the money. I paid for the ticket. I went. Galactic Cowboys opens. King's X comes out. They play. It's great. Um, get to the end. Um, and I'm, I've made my way up to the front of the stage. Doug Pinnock comes out. He leans over and he says to me, hey, man, do you sing? And, of course, I'm just going to say, sure. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, he pulls me on stage. He pulls a few other people on stage. Ty Tabor's pulling people on stage. And the band played uh, the song Goldilocks from their first album. Uh-huh. And uh, we sang it. They didn't sing it. The, those of us who got pulled on stage sang the song, right? Oh, that's oh, cool. Wow. Okay. So, fast forward to uh, 2009. And um, I had been married in 2008. And uh, my wife is always encouraging me. Now you should you should play music again. You should play music again. You, you know you're good. You should play. And I would be ah eh, no I don't know. And then finally the truth came out. And she's like, look, you're just a nicer person to be with when you're playing music. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's so like, hardcore okay. marriage talk right there. <laughs> yeah right exactly. <laughs> I'm like hint taken. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so I um I put it. I, I went on Craigslist. Craigslist was still the thing, I guess. And I, yeah. I find a, uh, I finally find an ad after you wade through the ones with the nineteen-year-olds that want to, you know, make a million dollars and be famous, practice six and a half times a week. You know, um, I finally <laughs> find one with a guy that uses like three-syllable words and <laughs> seemed very reasonable and level-headed. And I was like, wow, this guy sounds pretty intelligent, and we have similar musical taste. So. I contact him. His name's Paul. We get together. We start, we jam. Of course, after you jam, you got to talk about music and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we talk about this show and he, cause he's a King's X fan. He said, I was at that show. And I said, yeah, and Doug Pinnock pulled me on stage. He's like, yeah, Ty Tabor pulled me on stage. I said, wow, that's cool. He's like, yeah, my girlfriend at the time had a camera and she took a picture of me up on stage. I should bring it and show you. Yeah. Okay, cool. So he goes and digs up this picture he brings it the next week. I'm standing right behind him in this photo. <laughs> oh my god, that's too cool, man! <laughs> like unbelievable. Yeah, what, what, what are the odds? <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just insane. I mean, I guess when you take a major metropolitan area and then you finally whittle it down to King's X fans, it makes right, the it's odds true. Great. Sure, but yeah, still <laughs> wow. small Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's too cool. Yeah. But I guess the um, the one thing I was going to just discuss really quick, because I thought it was interesting, <laughs> is that when you read about King's X, 
And there's always this Christian rock label put on them. We, we talked a little bit about this in the uh, segment leading up in the, in the previous segment, but I'm definitely curious what you have to say about this. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, I don't, um, I've, I've, I've come to a point in my life where I say, I'm not a big Christian rock fan. I'm not, I never was. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't vehemently despise it like I used to and try to like rally against it. Right. So <laughs> it is, it is what it is. I don't, I don't find King's X to, to fit that mold. In fact, it, a lot of this stuff, I mean, there's obviously themes that you can pick out. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the silent planet is a, that's CS Lewis. Uh-huh. who's a big Christian apologist, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, although that's a science fiction book, but yeah. um, still it's got that, the, the theme over my head is I mean that's Sister Rosetta Tharp right uh, hmm. great great gospel guitar player from the 30s and 40s she even had a song it was called uh, Up Above My Head I Hear Music in the Air I mean she oh. I mean she basically she okay. says it but but her they're doing a twist on it so she's saying Up Above My Head I Hear Music in the Air and I really do believe there's a heaven somewhere right so she's talking about the afterlife and there's heaven etc. There was Doug Pinnock talking about his grandma who raised mm-hmm. him, who was a strict Christian, mm-hmm. um, who would be, uh, you know, one floor above him when he was trying to go to sleep as a boy. And she would be singing and going on and on and speaking in tongues. And if you see them live and he goes on in the story, when they do that song, he does this okay. whole, this whole thing. Um, but it's really about to say how like, he felt alone. He felt um, like nobody cared about him. Um, and the person, the people that supposedly espoused this way of life that where you're supposed to love everyone and care for everyone, uh, he found to alienate him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some of that, obviously, when he, he came out as gay later on in his career, uh, I think that had a big impact, too, because I think a lot of times that a lot of fundamentalists um, rally against homosexuality and it's not, Mm -hmm. um, it's not accepted. And so you can see, but at the same time, you know, obviously they were raised in a certain way and you can't, whenever you write music, you just can't separate yourself from the music, right? If you're, if you're writing a love song, it's because you've experienced love before, right? (laughs) If if you're writing a song that's mostly angry, it's because you know what anger is. And here it's, you know, they, they, they've got the vocabulary. They know what the, what the, uh, what the tenets of Christianity are. Um, but I think they're, they're making a, a commentary about it. I think they're intelligently critiquing it in many ways. Yeah. Uh, mission is a big example, I think. Um, Definitely. I think it's, you know, just the hypocrisy. Um, Pleiades in one way is because it's it's basically saying, mm-hmm. you know, no, the earth is not 6,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the one I thought I was like, wow, that's uh, yeah. Pleiades, especially amongst all the songs on the album is, is uh, very, um, very questioning. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, they have the images of Pharisees and scribes, which are like even even in the Bible are not very popular people. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. So like <laughs> like the, the, the critique is goes on. So I think you know they've got the language. It's part of their formation as human beings, but that's that's not what defines their music. You know, uh, at least right. that's what I think. 
you know. Oh, yeah. fully agreed. Yeah, we, yeah, we agree. We we talked a little bit about that before and, and agreed. And and I think everybody in the band has kind of like said something like, I mean, Doug Pinnock has come out as being agnostic as well as as being gay. And uh, and I thought that Jerry Gaskill did the he same. Said he has disassociated himself uh, yeah. from the religion. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And, 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 so, and they're all like pretty critical of it. And they, you know, they don't want anything to do with like the marketing of, and they, they thought the Christian music, you know, the Christian rock band stuff was like that entire like business enterprise was vile is what Ty Tabor said about it. You know, he used the word vile, yeah, which I right. thought was pretty, that's a strong word. So, but you know, they, you know, it's still a fact, you know, uh, Pinnock and Gaskill, toured with Phil Kagey in the like 1979, right. 1980. Uh-huh. It's like, it's part of who they are, right? Right. Yeah, that's part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is part of who they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting juxtaposition of things where they, they, they do sort of sing. I mean, and you know, and there's a lot of like soulfulness and gospel aspects in the music too. And like, you know, and that all comes from somewhere. And uh, so I, I think they do a good job of synthesizing the positive aspects about Christianity and religion and like sort of questioning the negative aspects of it and like pointing out the hypocrisies and stuff like that which i mean that's pretty easy to be on board with that's a that's that's sort of yeah. that's og jesus right there <laughs> right right yeah there you go and you know i think i think just the um the amazing live shows they do i mean it's uh there's a lot of there's a lot of um interactions with the audience mm-hmm. and a lot of just Pinnock just expressing care and concern for people, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, telling people, I think maybe coming out of his own experience, like just don't let people put you down. Um, on the best of King's X album, this compilation, it came out in the late nineties and there's a live version of over my head on it. And because of his experience as a kid, he says, if you're, <laughs> he looks out to the audience, he's like, Hey, if any of you are planning on having kids, you better tell them that you love them every day that you have them. Um, because if you don't, they're going to grow up screwed up. Uh, and it's not easy to get out of that. So wow. that's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, he, t- he draws on his experience and he just makes it, um, he makes it, it's a powerful and, he, and he's trying to help people, you mm-hmm. know, which is beautiful. And that's, you know, that's, I think that alone right there says, just speaks to the character of the band. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 I've got no issues with King's X. (laughs) They don't come off as preachy or anything to me. Right. (laughs) It's an interesting history that they have, though. It's like kind of intertwined. And and there's like moments where it seems like they've tried to disentwine themselves from it. Well, I don't know. It's it's interesting for sure. It'd be cool to hear the they they, I guess they recorded a a new album. It hasn't come out yet, but uh, I heard about that, too. I don't know what it'll be like, but I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know it took a while just cause I mean, uh, Jerry Gaskell had some health problems in the last couple of years that yeah. have, has slowed things down. Yeah. Some heart issues and, yep. um, and Doug Pinnock had a, had a hernia surgery that, um, I think I think fans paid for it. I think he just had he put up a site and raised money to pay for his hernia surgery. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's, that's the music <laughs> business for you, folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's no health insurance plan. <laughs> yeah, but the um, yeah, but I think this this album, 
it's one of those second albums where you say it's like the Godfather Part Two, right? It's like I didn't think this could get better, and then all of a sudden it's like, holy! Smokes. I think that's a that's better. a like a perfect uh, a perfect uh, analogy of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Um, I never, I've never known. Like, I mean, I suppose I could look into it because everybody gets songwriting credit. But, yeah, but it's actually the fact that somebody brings an idea, right? Uh huh. Um, so I guess you could, I could probably guess that Pinnick brought in over my head, um, and uh, Ty maybe brought in, you know, burning down or something. Uh-huh. Um, but I love that when when bands do that, when bands like you can't tell whose it is. Right. right. <laughs> they all just work um, on it as if it was their own. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's and even Gaskills, he's he's a uh, he's not brought in a ton of of. Uh, song ideas but um his playing is just so perfect for the songs i think Um, (laughs) oh absolutely (laughs) and it's not you know it's not over the top it's not you know um a thousand beats per minute but you know now and then if you listen he pulls off like triplets on the single bass drum which is like a john bonham thing (laughs) 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 that's that's amazing (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, yeah, of course. This and, is great. I love this. Yeah, and <laughs> thanks for calling in from Detroit. Yeah, I, I knew you would be the person to talk to about this one. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. I mean, yeah. And we've had something that, 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 that you two have clearly spent way more time with than I have. So I was just like, I'm going to let y'all have this out a little bit because, yeah, you are the pros in the room on this one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I can't. I cannot tell you anything about that story that Gaskill wrote in the liner notes called Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. I've read it a few times. Uh-huh. It, it's, like, it's like stream of consciousness, you know, uh, it's like reading Ulysses. I mean, forget it. I just can't tell you what it's about. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talked about that, too, like how it's supposed to be a concept album, but we can't quite figure out if, what the concept is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it sounds like a concept album. So good enough. You know, if you, if you call it yeah. that, I'm fine with hey, that. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Anything going on in Detroit that we should know about? Oh, let's see. Well, um. Last year we had the 60th anniversary of Motown Music. Oh, oh that's man. so cool! Barry Gordy founded in '59, and then uh, there the museum, which Brian's seen. Yeah, uh, which is, it's basically two houses on West Grand Boulevard, but they received some grants lately to expand, and so there's construction going on right now to expand that museum. Uh, and I'm excited to see what what it's going to be. Um, hey, all right. But yeah, but that you know the Studio A is still there, and <laughs> that's one of the museums that I would go back to in a heartbeat and go through the whole thing again because it was just yep. it was awe inspiring. Uh, I mean, I still tell people about going there. Like, I mean, probably once a month I'm telling that story. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool place. It's really cool. And then you you think about the all that great music, and then the the people that it was inspiring to, uh-huh. you know, like the, the Stones did covers, the Beatles did covers of Motown stuff. And yeah, um, I know when Paul McCartney was here on tour about six, seven years ago, he did a tour and somebody mentioned that the, 
the big piano in Studio A was in disrepair, and so he paid to get it fixed. So it's been refurbished. Oh, wow. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Sir Paul for <laughs> <Exactly>. the win. <laughs> Hell yeah. Along those lines, anybody out there, if you haven't seen Standing in the Shadows of Motown, you should you should take the time yeah. to watch it because it's incredible. It is incredible. <laughs> cool. Well, just, I mean, it's just so much stuff. So much good stuff was uh, came about because of that. Yeah. And, you know. And they also had, you know, just to just to throw this in really quick, they also, you know, Motown had um, other record labels, not just the music one, but they had a whole like um, a spoken word label. Oh with, yeah, there was um, a rock label, there was deeper soul labels. Uh, yeah, Tamla. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 There were there was Soul Records, Tamla. There was a, 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 a Rare Earth Records. They had, Rare I think, Earth they also Records. had like some like a religious sub label. Yeah, there's a huge list. Yeah, because that's the stuff that, you know, I mean, I didn't know about until I started reading about Motown and looked into it more. Um, And that, you know, that's that's powerful, too, you know. Absolutely. And I only knew that from the museum tour, so (laughs) that was where I first learned about it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We'll definitely have to make a trip back to Detroit and, uh, and check that out again and visit you guys, too, so. Um, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, well, whenever this craziness is over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, thanks again for talking to us, and uh, and appreciate you being on the show. And uh, have have a fantastic night. Tell the family hi. And uh, all right, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll yeah, thanks t- for we'll calling talk to you in, soon. man. Good to talk to you. All right. You too, Aaron. <laughs> thanks, Brian. All right. Thanks. Bye, Dave. Bye, bye. <laughs> All right, and thank you guys for tuning in. That's another episode of Hair Metal Memories. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, everyone. Hair Metal.